have you been up since the break of dawn? Not today. I got up yesterday and went for a little sunrise run and uh, had a little epic fall, actually. Oh, no. Are you okay? I'm good. I bruised my hip, but I, I got up and I was all motivated to go catch the sunrise at the end of the, the pier in San Clemente. Yeah. And so I was, I was running and it was really like this epic thing. There weren't that many people around and my music was going and it was really beautiful. And I was trying to literally run to the end of the pier to catch the sunrise because it was about to happen. And I tripped on one of the boards <gasps> and went like catapulting, but I sort of caught myself in this weird somersault thing. So it kind of looked intentional. kind of looked like I just did a random somersault on the pier. So that was yeah. cool. I always choose to jog out of my trips. Like if I'm tripping, I'm just going to jog it out. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. that's my option. Like to look like, oh, I fell in front of the, the <laughs> London, I guess it's just a London tower, right? Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah. There's like an entire group of German tourists like just chilling out in front. And I was like a senior in high school and I was so mortified and I like flung, like I fell on the cobblestone and I like flew in the air the farthest I ever have. And I hit the ground and then just ran away. And like my, my whole, like my tour group was like looking at me, like, where'd she go? I just literally ran away. Like I just kept running. Because <laughs> I don't handle, awesome. yeah, I don't handle like embarrassment really well. Well, I guess I do. I just <laughs> avoid it. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm in the middle of a 52 week challenge to change my life and get rid of Sonderlust. This episode is coming to you live from the booming metropolitan of Cleveland, Ohio. I'm here speaking at an event. Along with my pastoring gig, my writing gig, and podcasting gig, I also get to speak at events. And I love traveling. And there's lots of exciting things that happen. Like today, I sat a couple rows back from Gene Simmons beside one of the coolest seat cohorts I could have asked for. But this busy schedule can be both fun and exhausting. If you've been listening along, you know that I've had a couple of chaotic months and that meant that my health was not at its best. But just when I needed it most, I got to know Bethany Wood, an incredible woman who's becoming an integrated health coach. A health coach meets with clients to help them achieve health and wellness goals. And after meeting with her for a couple of months, I can tell you my life has actually been revolutionized. There's this thing called sleep that I've been missing. I'm finally healthy. I'm back to working out almost daily and feeling more like myself than I have almost all year. She seems to know just how to challenge me and it isn't always easy. So with no further ado, here is Bethany as she drops some knowledge on me. I hope it helps you too. You're in the process of going to school, right? To become a yep. health coach? Yes, I'm going to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is a health coach program. So what areas are we kind of focusing on? We're kind of focusing on not just like the body, but the mind and the spirit a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, there's the idea that you have primary foods and you have secondary foods. The secondary foods are the things people think of as foods. So your actual food that you eat and then the areas of your life that are related to your um, physicality, so your fitness and your sleep levels and the things that directly affect your physical body. But then your primary foods, the things that we don't always think about how much they affect how you relate to your secondary foods. Your primary foods are going to be your relationships and your sense of self-love and your ability to find joy and gratitude and 
even things like finances and just other areas of your life that if there's basically a sense of unbalance there, it throws everything out of balance. And it's the idea that everything is holistic. So there's always a root cause for everything. So if you're struggling with an eating disorder, or if you're struggling with a body image issue or just stress or an inability to sleep, that there's usually an underlying issue that's much bigger than that, that needs to be addressed first. Yeah. I think that was my, <laughs> the first time I met with you, I think that was my, uh, my surprise was I was like, all right, she's going to give me all the things I can eat and all the things I can't eat. And then she's going to tell me how many times a week to work out. And oh. it's just, that's what we're going to do. And then you're like, mm, we're actually going to make you sleep first. Uh, that was the first thing that we worked on is getting a, a pattern and a rhythm to my sleep because I tend to stress out and not be able to sleep at night. So mm-hmm. that was the first thing that we tackled together, right? Was the idea that, yeah, I was getting probably four hours of sleep, four or five. Yeah, that's what you're averaging. And it's interesting because for every person, the health coach journey will be different, but it's basically led by you, by the client, because as you started talking and listing just where you're at and what you're going through, that was one of the things I honed in on was you talked about how little sleep you were getting and how stressed you were. And I thought, well, if you're so stressed out, like it doesn't even matter if we get you on workouts or a healthier eating plan or anything like that, because if you're not getting enough sleep, your body's just going to stop working. It's just going to demand some more rest. Yeah. And so I was super depleted, which I realized, and sleeping was the weirdest, like having a rhythm and a pattern to sleep was incredibly helpful which I was so surprised because <laughs> not so surprised, <laughs> but uh, it was really, I think a lot of my stress was related to not sleeping. And then now I'm learning how to get up, which is really hard for me because I'm not a morning person. Like I joke around right. about running with you in the morning because I think I, I wake up, but I can't get out of bed is my deal. So I'd love to, that's the next thing we're kind of working on a little bit. Mm-hmm. But so we started off with sort of things that were a little more, um, peripheral, like meal planning, which has been so fun for me. And I'm becoming that person who puts pictures of their food on Instagram. That's happening. (laughs) Which is awesome. Yeah. So that was been really, really helpful. I even had a bunch of friends over last weekend and we meal prep for this week, which is weird to look in my fridge and not just see like ketchup, maybe a (laughs) bottle of wine, (laughs) some Brussels sprouts. Like I have the randomest things in my refrigerator. But then this week we hit some hard stuff. And uh, we met at a restaurant at Whole30, though. I ate Whole30 friends because I'm in the middle of Whole30 with some friends of mine. And, uh, and the minute I said I went to a restaurant, they're like, what'd you eat? <laughs> we ate <laughs> Yeah, we actually ate really good that night. Yeah. It was good. We even split our meal, which is another thing because I eat like a horse. So it was great to be able to like split a meal and <laughs> feel like a normal person. But we started talking about stuff that was more heart-centered. And I... I had this lump in my throat from the minute I sat down to the minute I like kind of left was the sense of like, oh man, my primary, as you call them, my primary uh, nutrition is really, really off. And I think, I shouldn't say really, really off, but not doing as well as would be optimum. And I think I didn't want to talk about that stuff, even though my podcast is about that stuff. And even though, uh, you know, I completely trust you, it's just interesting to me the like wall that I hit. And then you just started like dropping the knowledge and challenging me in ways that I was actually afraid like a little bit. So I wanted to kind of share that with our listeners and also share it as like a, what does it look like 
to move beyond those things. So what were some of the memorable things for you from our conversation? And then we can kind of go from there. Okay. Well, it was interesting because going into each of our meetings, I, I kind of prepare a little bit, but I also leave it open to how I feel like you're responding or also where you're at. So when we start, when I started checking in with you, um, I could just kind of see that it probably wasn't going to be an important thing that session to launch into a workout plan or to launch into, you know, something that's kind of a secondary thing. Because what I keep hearing is how um, you're struggling to find like joy right now. You're struggling to find your sense of self and that it's been really hard for you to accept your own affirmations into your heart and into your life. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's dive deep. Cause that's where I feel like the root of it is right now. And that's what, I mean, as much as we can focus on those other things and you have been doing a really good job with the sleep and with the cooking and you're working out a lot more, which is awesome. But I still feel like those things are kind of surface level. One of the things I noticed when we had talked last week and we were meal prepping together and we were just casually chatting back and forth, one thing that you mentioned was that it's very hard for you to take in your own accomplishments or your own talents. Like you can know them in your brain. You can understand that you are talented at speaking or that you're really good at showing compassion into other people's lives. Obviously, that's what your career is based on. But it's almost like you can know those things, but you're not feeling them in your heart. Like you're not able to take in your own affirmations and that there's a sense of an inability for you to feel like your your self-love or your self-worth is authentic. Like if you try telling yourself that you're really talented in this area or I am beautiful today or whatever it is, I feel like that's harder for you to absorb. Maybe it's just part of your personality type. I think that's part of it, um, being a number two on the Enneagram. But I think also through different circumstances in your life, you've kind of built up this almost narrative about who and how the world sees you, but it's hard for you to see yourself that way. That's right. I think um, something I <laughs> I want to believe that I can feel those things about myself because I think we're all we should have a great sense of self-worth. And I think sometimes I've ended up in situations that I've ended up in because I can't hold on to my sense of self-worth. And, you know, we're told <laughs> as Christians growing up, there's always like, but don't be like, you need to be humble. And I also grew up in a in a home that was great. And my parents are wonderful, but definitely it wasn't laden with praise. Like there was some, I saw myself as special because I, you know, I knew that I could do well and I felt most comfortable. There's a if you're an Enneagram follower, I'm a three wing or super strong three wing. So I feel like I got my worth from feeling like, okay, I can achieve. Now, the problem is, is that I never like celebrate the achievement and I never feel it, which is kind of a bummer. Like when you think about it, because you're just constantly feeling like you're not good enough. And mm-hmm. it's not a competition with other humans. It's a competition with yourself. I think that's looked a lot like feeling I don't know how to love myself if someone else isn't telling me that I'm great. And so I think it's been sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit that I end up most often in my adult life out of relationships. So there isn't anyone mirroring that for me. Mm -hmm. And so there is a sense of like, yeah, I, you know, I think I'm okay. And I think I enjoy when people say really nice things about me and that's great and I appreciate it, but it just doesn't go into my identity. It's like, I'm always looking for the next 
thing that someone will say, oh, good job. So yeah, it was really challenging for you to even start like talking like, well, do you do you feel your accomplishments, Sarah? And I was very resistant to that because I, it's almost, I don't want to have false humility and be like, oh, no, no, not I, but the <laughs> Lord. Um, but more like, <laughs> uh, I think more, it just felt so awkward to think about myself as someone who's achieved a lot, even if you were to like lay out the quote unquote achievements I have, I don't feel them. And I know that sounds weird, but. Well, yeah, I noticed even when I had asked you a question, I said, you know, what does it feel like to you to love yourself? And that was a really hard question for you to answer. And I could definitely see that there was a bit of a block that started going up. And so I was digging a little deeper, you know, what does it feel like to feel connected to yourself or to feel... (laughs) When you were asking me those questions, I just started staring at the artwork behind your head. I was like, uh. <laughs> it was pretty terrible artwork too. So it's awful. <laughs> I feel like you're zoning out on it. Um, so then, yeah, actually, one of the things that came into my head as I was just kind of sitting there and it organically flowed, I guess, was I kept asking these questions, trying to get you to dig into your own self worth and self love, and it seemed like you just kept saying, "Well, I don't know." what that feels like. Like, I don't know how to tell myself that. I'm not sure how to hear that from myself. I said, well, what would work? And you said, well, sometimes when things are mirrored back at me, I can take them in a little bit better. So that's when we decided to do the idea of picking, you know, five people who have really earned that, that place in your life of trust, where if they were to tell you something, you would be able to take it to heart. And what if we were to have them write down their top 10 affirmations for you. And then, so if you have five people, maybe each of them gets one day of the week. So let's say you mentioned your mom being one of them. And so maybe your mom gets Mondays. And so on Monday, your mom would text you or email you or call you or whatever and give you one of these 10 affirmations that she's written to you. Mm -hmm. And so each of those five friends would have a day of the week. So Monday through Friday, for example, you would be receiving an affirmation, which is a truth, something believed, declared to be true, not just something that they're making up, but something that they know and declare to be true about you. It can be including something about your faults or your imperfections that they love about you, because I think that's important as well. But then they're speaking those things into your life. And then the other important piece of that, though, is that we have to get you to make those things stick to kind of like take them in. So I'd asked you, what is something that makes you feel a lot of joy? Like when you experience it, what's something that makes you feel emotion? And what did you say? I said, uh, sunsets. I, I will be driving. I will be running. I will be, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. When I see a sunset, I pause. I just love sunsets. Exactly. So we thought about what if we paired up the moment of experiencing a sunset, which is really special for you, with receiving those affirmations. So at the end of the week, you get your five affirmations, and then your job is to go chase down a sunset. And whatever that looks like, if you go to your favorite cafe, or you go to the beach, or you take a drive, and your job is to like think through those affirmations and really let them soak in and let them start to change your narrative about yourself. Yeah. So we're basically using them as a launching point because we want them to be like a mirror that you're going to use to start to be able to see 
what other people see, but have it coming from five sources that you really, really trust, then you know they're not just telling you what you want to hear. They're telling you real truths about yourself that you can start to accept those things. And then you can start generating your own affirmations for yourself. I think it's funny. I have a, a, a dear friend and he his name is Nate. And Nate is also a pastor and he's um, just a really a student of the Enneagram. He's super interested in it. And uh, he recognized my two, threeness pretty quick. And we had this long conversation in a bar one night. And one of the things he said to me is, I think you should write down the things you like about yourself. And I think it's funny because a lot of people say things like, oh, Sarah's so self-confident. And so I... Uh, sat down and tried to write down things I liked about myself. And what I struggled with is I would write a sentence like, I like this about myself. And then immediately I would get to a point of like, but <laughs> and want to write, but mm-hmm. da 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 da. Because of some of the massive rejection that I've experienced in life, and I think it's a, a normal part of life, but it has really like that has taken in more than. If you were to look at my life, again, you know, it's the whole idea of Sandra Lust, you look at my life and I look, it looks really great, but it feels a little bit like it's um, the idea that sort of like everyone is seeing an image that isn't really me. And so um, I want to be fully seen, but I'm scared to be fully seen. I hope this affirmation thing works. (laughs) It scares me a little bit. Yeah, I, I can tell that it scares you a little bit. So I have a really good quote. Are you? I'm ready. I love quotes. Me too. Okay. So this one's by Rilke, who was an Austrian poet. He was like a bohemian guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorites. So it says, I do not want to be folded. For where I am folded, there I am a lie. And, and so part of my little digging deep into that quote, I looked up, what does it mean to be folded? There's lots of definitions, but the one that stuck out was to be folded means to bend something over on itself so that one part of it covers another. And I started thinking of that quote in terms of what we had talked about the other day. And whenever we're lacking in our own self-love or self-compassion or self-worth, I think our tendency is to allow ourselves to be to be bent more and to be tucked into a smaller space and to shrink and to fold in on ourselves. And one of the things you've mentioned before a few times is that sometimes you feel like you're too much or you're too big. Mm-hmm. And through different times in our lives when people hurt us or we experience rejection or we're told different narratives about ourselves like you're too much or you're not enough or you're not what I'm looking for or whatever it may be, we tend to try to fold ourselves up and fit into other people's ideas and in other people's boxes. And I just think that when we do that, when you're folded, it's the opposite of being open. It's the opposite of standing tall and shining and being who you are. And I just love that quote because where you're folded, you're a lie. In some sense, you're covering up something about yourself. Mm, I like that. So part of this like project, even working with you, is letting the imposter down mm-hmm. and not trying to impress people and trying to just really be me and let go of some of my like need to seem like I know everything or need to seem like I know how life should go. And what's crazy is I think you're right. The places where I have kind of shrunk, especially in the last couple of weeks, I found myself sort of shrinking. Now, the other thing we talked about, so there's two things, having people mm-hmm. – 
uh, affirm me, which always reminds me of like the youth group thing we used to do where you'd like, everyone would wear a piece of paper on your back and you write nice things. Um, (laughs) But not uh, just affirmations, but also there's a challenge that you are actually engaged in yourself. And this one was super scary for me. And that is... A social media cleanse. I mean, I would rather do a juice cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> I know, which is why this would be perfect. So, yes, I was telling you about this episode I watched of Black Mirror, which is this TV show on Netflix. It's like a British version of the Twilight Zone. And it's terrifying. It's pretty scary. And I was watching this episode called Nosedive, and it's about this sort of caste society where everyone's ranking is determined by their social media score. So if you have a really high score, if you're a five, then you're basically wealthy. You can, you pay for everything with your social media rating. And so you can afford to live in really nice communities and everyone wants to be, you're like a celebrity basically. And then if you have a very low social media ranking, you're nothing like no one wants to talk to you. No one wants to be associated with you. And it's a story of this girl and she's like kind of in the middle and she's trying to work her way up. And every interaction that people have with each other is social media based in this world. So you can have a conversation. And then I would like if we were having a conversation, I would rank you on how much I liked that conversation. I would give you a a rating. And so people can basically determine each other's worth through social media. (laughs) terrifying and I watched that episode and I was like oh my gosh I can't I can't let that ever be my life because some of what you have to do for work is you know you have to show like you're an excellent chef and you eat uh, paleo and Mm -hmm. you uh, are really into fitness so you're outside a lot and you and your husband are both gorgeous and so the world (laughs) needs to see that and so you have a social media platform that helps you with health coaching right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so there is some risk in you stepping away from it, but you made the decision to cleanse. I did. And I decided there's that whole idea right now, the the fear of missing out. I mean, it has its own hashtag, Mm -hmm. the FOMO thing. Or Sondra Lust, either one. Yep. Sondra (laughs) Lust. Yeah. But the idea that I think sometimes we do get that genuine fear that we're going to miss out on someone else's life. But I think in the process of doing that, we might be missing out on our own life a little bit. So one of the things I decided to do was as a part of the social media cleanse, I think it draws our attention to mindfulness and being present. So, you know, we'll be out on a hike or doing something exciting. And I feel like there's this need and desire these days to want to post it, to want to take a picture of it and share it with people. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's a lot of beauty in that being able to see friends and family's lives from far away. But I do think there's kind of this thought playing through your head as you're on a beautiful hike or as you're making a beautiful meal that, okay, I'm going to take a picture of this moment so I can share it so other people can be present with me in it. And it takes away from it just a little bit because what I've been finding is, you know, I've been leaving my phone at home and going on hikes or making a beautiful meal. And instead of taking a picture of it to post, I just enjoy it. And I think there's something about Being in a moment and having it be just for you and having it be like experiencing the magic of that sunrise or that hike or looking at that beautiful flower and just being there with it and knowing that it's a fleeting moment and you're not going to capture it, you're not going to share it. And that kind of adds to its magic. So I think that's what the social media cleanse sort of does for you. It brings you back to the present a little bit. 
I think it was really scary for me because you told me that the same day that I met with the marketing team, as we've been talking about, um, right. Sandra Lust has been, oh my gosh, getting such great feedback. It's insane. Like the letters and people emailing and people reaching out. It's been great and also not great, which we can talk about at some point because <laughs> there have been some very interesting folks who have decided to reach out or feel really connected to me. Right. Marketing team. And I had been chatting and they were like, Sarah, like if you check out your personal different accounts, like you ha- are someone that people follow and they follow a lot. And that was weird for me to hear because I was like, no, not really. I mean, I have friends who have 34,000 followers. I don't have that. And they were like, yeah, but people really engage what you do. So your Instagram stories or whatever it might be. So they were actually saying, we want you to do more of that. And I really enjoy that, but I feel like it would be a good idea for me to step away and be present in my own life for a little while. But then what did I say to you? (laughs) I'm scared of it Yeah, uh, because it makes me so lonely um, because I don't have uh, a family that I come home to. I don't have a significant other. The idea of being away from social media, which is like a para relationship, it's not a real you're not actually engaged with these people. And, you know, there is like a dopamine hit you get from connecting in that way, but it really isn't uh, the fullness of relationship. But the fear for me, someone who just absolutely adores people and being in relationship with people and is that I'll miss out on people and their lives. Yeah. And you you even said, but what am I going to do when I'm at home and I'm going to be lonely? I'm going to be alone. I can't get on my social media. And I was like, well, I'm not telling you you can't pick up the phone and call somebody or go hang out with friends, (laughs) you know, and like in real time. And it's not like you're asking just by doing a social media cleanse, you're not going to say, I'm going to go like sit in a cave and do nothing. But (laughs) Although that might be good for me too. (laughs) It might be good for the de-stressing portion too. Cause that's the other thing is, yeah, it's a dopamine hit. It's an actual chemical reaction we get, but it trains our brain to think that when we're bored or when we're lonely to distract ourselves with something. And sometimes our best and most creative and most meaningful thoughts come up when we just let ourselves be and kind of like be a little bit bored or be a little bit lonely and decide to take those thoughts for a walk or something versus distract ourselves. Yeah, we are an easily distractible. I'm also reading a book called Hacking Your Mind because Mm -hmm. we are an easily distractible population. Humans are really easily distracted, especially now um, in the Western world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing with contemplative prayer. It's the same thing with meditating. I am absolutely petrified of it. You know, there's this thing called floating where you go and you float in a tank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I haven't tried it, but I want to. Yeah. I haven't tried it either, but my friends are obsessed with it. And I, that sounds petrifying to me (laughs) to be alone with just my thoughts. Mm. Oh man. I don't know. And I, you know, I'm coming to the realization that I'm an extrovert who really needs a lot of alone time. So like an extra, an introverted extrovert. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that in both of these challenges, I'll be able to, yeah, just sort of get more in touch with myself and maybe learn that I love myself. Because I think a lot of Sondra lusting mm-hmm. is because I don't love myself in the way that I should. And it, mm-hmm. even like saying that feels really like as a Canadian, I need to let you know, saying like, I just really need to love myself feels very like hippy dippy. <laughs> and as someone who grew up within the Christian church, it's like, no, you're, you need to love others. That's what you need to love others. But you know, the saying is love others as you love yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, how do you love others? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm in that process of figuring out how to like 
love myself, not partnered, love myself when I am alone, love myself when I'm doing okay at work, but you're not getting the constant accolades. Like, how do I mm-hmm. love myself just because I'm myself? And I think that the fact that I have a marketing team that can take over for like a week and handle that and probably handle it better marketing our work would be awesome. And so it's probably a really good time. So I am going to take the challenge. And you said it only has to be a week, right? Yeah, we'll start with a week. We'll see how it goes. Because I think (laughs) we'll do a week. And I was thinking it would be fun if you included the audience, because I feel like your audience knows you're on this journey. And a lot of them could probably benefit from that as well. And you could even make it really fun and interactive, make a little hashtag for when you start it where everyone has to post, you know, an Instagram picture or something that they're starting this social media cleanse tomorrow, hashtag Sonder cleanse or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And then everybody or all your followers, whoever wants to do it, you guys try it for a week and maybe you sort of journal about what that experience is like. And I'm sure there'll be some funny things and some instances where you're reaching for your phone and there's nothing to swipe and you don't know what to do. And, but I think that can be fun. And then you come back and you kind of share the experience and then other people will have their experiences to share. It could be a really interactive experience at the end. I like that. Well, why don't we make that the challenge when this episode airs is when I will go social media dark the next day for seven (laughs) days. Okay. Uh, We're going to do it. I'm going to make you do that. I know you are. That's the scary thing about you. <laughs> you know what? Maybe one of those days I can also get you to come for a sunrise run. And then we're going to just like soak that sunrise in so hard because we're not going to take pictures of it. We're not going to post about it. We're just going to be in it. Does the sun rise if you don't take photos of it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. I am turning into what people think of as a typical Orange County. Like I, I was at a pool two days ago and there were all <laughs> these people taking selfies of themselves by the pool. And uh, I was like, this is just really straight. And there was this girl that I'm not entirely sure wasn't a Kardashian. And everyone was taking photos of her. And she was like posing, like just walking and posing, looking at flowers, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, here's someone who's really trying to uh, be social or be Instagram famous. But she might have already been. But I think if the sun sets and there's no one there to take a photo, it still happens. If the sun See, I say sunset because I can't imagine being up for... What time does the sun rise? <laughs> right now, it's like 6.15 in Southern California. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. But I'm going to have to like come to you, go for a run, and then the sun will rise. <laughs> okay, I like yes, it. Yes, it'll be this epic journey. I take that challenge. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Bethany. You're welcome. I will talk to you soon. All right. See you later. As I look ahead to my work with Bethany, I find myself feeling little glimpses of hope and a whole lot of trepidation. On one hand, I want to believe that I could see my own worth no matter any circumstance. That I could even dare to say that I love myself, even with all of my imperfections. But on the other hand, I know it's going to take some uncomfortable work to get there. I want to invite you to join me on some of this work. And together, let's take her social media challenge. This podcast will air May 1st, but no matter what date you hear it, I challenge you to just take seven days to cleanse from social media. Let's do it together. Post a status or a photo with the hashtag SonderlessCleanse. You can get daily activities to engage during your cleanse by joining the Facebook group for Sonderless the podcast. 
And maybe together, we can enjoy our lives for what they are in the moment and move towards getting rid of some of our Sonderlust. On our next episode, I look forward to sharing my cleanse experiences, as well as sharing my conversation with Brady Smith. He's a friend who happens to be married to Tiffany Amber Thiessen, or as some might know her, Kelly Kapowski. Together, we talk about making space for our significant other's successes, creating time for relationship, and what it's like to champion a successful and something intimidating woman. These two are some of my fave humans, and I can't wait to share our conversation. So this is me signing off. I'll see you on the other side of my social media cleanse. Sandra Lust, the podcast is hosted by me, Sarah Heath. This episode was edited and mixed by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio. To find out more about them, visit cmstudio.co. Sandra Lust's website was created by Alex Maldonado. The theme song was written and performed by Daniel Roberts. You can visit us anytime at sondralistthepodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates and exclusive content. If you like the show, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Most importantly, leave a review. It's a great way to spread the word and help people find the show. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and keep looking for your bliss. Bliss.